Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Ed Glaze, one of the pastors here. Uh, welcome here in this place and welcome online. I normally don't stand way up here. These bright lights are mighty bright. Um, but uh, I'm using an abundance of caution with Mr. COVID. And, um, you know, had a, had a fairly mild case, thank the Lord, for the vaccinations and things like that that uh, can keep us uh, from being seriously ill. But I want to thank all the medical providers out there that enable us to come and uh, get well quickly. So thank you. And I thank uh, Jacob Lancaster for filling in on a moment's notice. When I was an associate pastor in Montgomery, my senior, pa- my senior minister said to me, a Methodist preacher needs to be able to preach, pray, and die on a moment's notice. <laughs> Jacob learned that lesson the last weekend. Yeah, so I appreciate him filling in. And I was so looking forward to uh, preaching that sermon, but uh, we have another opportunity to do that. We're still in this series on the Psalms, right? Uh, we have talked about Psalms of lament, and we talked about Psalms of anger and songs of praise. Well, today's Psalm, well, it gives us a lot of good news. It's one of those Psalms that we like to read, don't we? Psalm 121. It's a, a Psalm that, I'm not going to read it yet. Hold on a minute. We'll, we'll get into that in just a second uh, up there. Tech team, you're on, you're on, you're on top of things. But, you know, a lot of people in life, you know, we zip through life. We, you know, on a fast journey, don't take time to pause and to rest and reflect. Or, or as we're traveling along, that we, you know, we're wondering what the future is going to hold. What's it going to be like? We're a little bit fearful, right, about what the future might bring to us. That's the way we are sometimes in life. When I was a kid, my dad was one of those that if we're on a trip, we weren't stopping. I mean, his, his motto was this, we're not stopping except for gasoline. If I'm, if I'm a stopping, you're a going. You know what I mean? That, that, that's what he said. And if we said we don't have to, he said, I don't care. You better go. And heaven forbid the time or two that we didn't go. I mean, about an hour later, he said, I told you to stop. And in his day, he was one to pack the car just so. And we, he didn't want us to stop at all. So we had an old styrofoam cooler. It was probably invented by George Washington. I mean, this thing was old. And as we rode along, and it, it would just squeak the whole time. But, you know, yeah, some of y'all know that, that, that feeling. Had a green lid on it and it had holes in it where the kids like me had, you know, doodled and stuff like that. And we didn't stop because, well, we can eat lunch in the car, right? We can drink water from that, that thermos. That's the way Dad was. We zipped along. And he had a place for each of us to sit. Since I was the youngest, I sat in the middle seat in the back seat, you know, an old station wagon. And my two older brothers were on either side of me, which meant I was prime target for pinching and poking and hitting, and I would retaliate, and then my dad would do this. Don't make me come back there. (laughs) You know? Y'all might remember those days. And I remember one trip, though. I was was really nervous about it because we'd watch some show or movie, and a car had sailed over a bridge, and it splashed down into the water. 
And I knew on the trip to my grandparents' place uh, in southwestern Virginia, here we are going from, from northwest Florida, we were going to go over those long bridges between Georgia and South Carolina over Lake Hartway. Yeah, any of y'all been on those bridges? Yeah. And I could see my dad yelling at us as we're back there fighting, turning around, and, don't make me come back there. And we were going to sail off <laughs> that bridge and into the water. I was scared about that, you know? And so when we were going over those bridges, I did like this because I didn't want my dad to turn around and we'd be sailing off, off the bridge as we drove on that highway. Have you all been like that in life? Where as you're driving along, going along, zipping along, as you look into the future, well, you may be like that little kid that I was, worried that I'm going to be sailing over a bridge. Or you're zipping along so fast in life that you don't notice the highway. You're, you're going so fast and you're so busy that you don't take time to rest and enjoy what's going on around you. Because you may be driving like my dad. We weren't stopping until we got to the destination. And so many people in life are like that. As we traverse this grand adventure called life. Well, this psalm is for those who are going too fast, not taking time to notice what's around them, for those who are riding along a little bit scared. Well, Psalm 121 was written for you. Now, let's have it on the screen. It's found uh, in the back of your hymnal on page 844 if you want to do that, or our great tech team, which we are so grateful for, has it on the screen and band. Awesome. If you didn't get here early, they were practicing and nervous and all sorts of stuff like that, scared. You didn't even be scared. That was great. Okay. Awesome job, Kathy and crew. Psalm 121. Lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence does my help come? <clears throat> the Lord will not let your foot be moved. The Lord who keeps you will not slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The sun will not smite you by day. The Lord will keep you from all evil and keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Yeah, this psalm was written by someone we don't know who it was, but he was writing to a people that were on a journey. This psalm, we know, is a part of what's called the Psalms of Ascent. It's Psalm 120 to 134 in our Psalter. And it was written for people as they traveled along the road to Jerusalem. Because the, the three times a year, all Jews were supposed to go to Jerusalem. So this is their traveling music. And it was reminding them of why they're going and who God was, and God was going to be with them. And the, the leader of this psalm was writing maybe not just for those folks traveling, but also looking at life, you know, as we travel along the highways and byways of life, as we go up into the hills, where does our help come from? You see, when the, he said, I'm going up into the hills, when I look into the hills, he was saying, I'm looking at a place that I'm scared about. I'm nervous about going up there. Because you might recall that in ancient times, that's where the bandits lurked. 
It's in those hill countries. That's where the, the bad guys head out. It's any wonder that when Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, when a man went from, up from Jericho to Jerusalem and got robbed, the people would say, yeah, we know that happens all the time there. That's a bad neighborhood. He shouldn't have been there by himself. Because that hill country was full of danger. It's also where the wild beasts lurked. It's where lions roamed and where bears hid. And so people would often get attacked as they went into that wilderness up those hillsides. I, I was reading an article not too long ago in, in the BBC where it talked about the tigers are coming back in Sri Lanka and everyone's saying, yay, they're back. Well, if you happen to live near the tiger preserves, that ain't a good thing because guess what's happening? You got it, yeah. Tigers, well, they kind of like all sorts of flesh, including human flesh. So that you, those people in Sri Lanka are experiencing the fears that the folks in ancient Israel experienced as they're climbing up those mountains because there's fearful stuff there. So when this psalmist is saying, I look up to the hills from whence cometh my help, my help comes from the Lord. I can look up to those hills and march towards them and not be a Afraid. So this psalmist, this leader of the people, is as someone who is strong, someone who probably walks around fearlessly, is saying, I'm approaching my fears and I can do so with utmost confidence. Because why? My help comes from the Lord. And as I said a moment ago, you might be one of those people that is looking at life and looking at the future, looking at the highways, looking at, at, at where you're traveling, and you wonder to yourself, I'm a little bit afraid. What's this going to be like? What's going to happen to me? And so this psalm is full of such good news. That's why we read it a lot of times at funerals. It reminds us of things. First of all, it reminds us that God perceives us. He said, you see what it said there? He, he watches over us as we're going along. He sees who we are. He knows all about us. The other day, uh, Jay Vincent emailed me and asked if he could bring us anything. And I said, yes, some pruning shears for my hair. I, I, that mop was growing longer and longer. I've been meaning to get it cut for a while. And then I got COVID. And so I said, Jay, you, you, you come over here and cut my hair. Of course, he didn't take me up on that. And maybe I'm glad that he didn't. But as soon as I was well yesterday, I went straight to the barbershop. And I got my hair beautifully cut, what little I had left. But the interesting thing is that God was counting all those hairs as they fell down. There's one, two, three, four, five. I mean, he knew every one of them. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, the very hairs on your head are numbered, even as the subtractor is happening very, very quickly. Some of you guys out there that are like me can say, amen, right? Yeah, his math has gotten a lot easier for some of us, right? And if he knows the number of hairs on our head, as Jesus said, then doesn't he know so much more about us as well? what we're going through, what we're thinking about, what we're worried about, what brings us happiness and joy. He knows us. He perceives us. And, and that's really good news. For, as he said, he knows all about us all the time. For it says here that the Lord neither slumbers nor sleeps. Don't you love that in the story <clears throat> 
when Isaiah, the prophet Elijah, is there with the prophets of Baal, and they're there yelling and hollering and screaming and trying to get Baal's attention. And, <laughs> and Elijah starts to elbow him and says, hey, you know, he may be asleep. Why don't you try to wake him up? But uh, we know that the Lord never slumbers nor sleeps. He perceives us in the morning and the noon and at night. There's an old Methodist bishop, Bishop Quayle, and he writes one time that he was up late at night, worried about things going on within his conference and worried about all the struggles and the heartaches that were going on within his churches. And, and it, was, it bothered him. He's wondering, what's going to happen with my people? What's going to happen with the congregations? And, and he couldn't sleep because, you know, he had so many burdens upon him. And he was up pacing the floor. There he was in his study. And he happened to look down at his Bible that he had, had opened up a little while ago. And it opened up, you guess where? Psalm 121. And he read it, and he perceived within his spirit that, you know, here he was trying to do things for God, and God is saying, I want to do things through you. And then he heard this wonderful word, Quail, I'm going to be up all night. You might as well go to sleep, because I've got this under control. That's wonderful news, isn't it? That at night... When we're asleep, when we are totally vulnerable, there's God watching over us. Excuse me. I don't want you to accuse me of being a dry preacher. Yeah, he watches over us, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Ron Meal in his wonderful book, God Works the Night Shift, describes in his own journey of battling leukemia for 20 years. In that dark time, he always knew that God was working constantly in his life, even in those dark times. That's wonderful to know, isn't it? Because isn't it at night? Isn't it at night, isn't the dark times when we were most afraid? I was very, very close to my father-in-law, Gerald Curtis. Uh, Gerald was a very intelligent man, but because of his daddy's ill health, uh, Mr. Gerald had to, as I called him, Mr. Gerald, uh, Mr. Gerald had to take over his, his daddy's postal route there in rural South Alabama. And eventually, Mr. Gerald became the postmaster in his tiny little hometown of Glenwood, Alabama. Population 216. You see why I laugh at y'all when you say, you know, we live in a small town of Boone. Shoot, you all don't know small town. This is a big city, y'all. But anyways, Mr. Gerald uh, was a very educated person on his own, kind of like Abraham Lincoln. He read and read and read. He had bookshelf after bookshelf filled with uh, volumes. Most notably, he had a, a complete collection of all the works of William Faulkner. He had works about Faulkner. He had a bookshelf as big as those doorways back there, just filled with books about that great author uh, from Mississippi. Well, Mr. Gerald contracted multiple myeloma. And some of y'all know that multiple myeloma is a cancer of the blood and scary stuff. 
And one night, Miss Alice, his wife, my, my mother-in-law, woke up and she noticed that the bed beside her was empty. And she waited a little bit and Gerald still didn't come back to bed. So she went down the hallway and there was Gerald on the, at the kitchen table weeping. And he said, I'm so scared and it's so bad here at night. And so the next morning, Miss Alice called their faithful preacher at that small little United Methodist Church there in Glenwood, Bobby Weeks. And Brother Bobby came right out, a good pastor that he is. And he prayed with Mr. Gerald. And Gerald said this. He said, you know, after Brother Bobby prayed with me, I was filled with an incredible peace. I knew that God was watching over me, and I was able to sleep at night. Wow. Isn't that wonderful news, y'all? That we can know, even in the darkest night, that God is there watching over us. No matter what we are going through, no matter what we are dealing with, God is watching over us. And that is good news. It, it says there next on there, is, is, it's kind of interesting for us because we don't think about this as modern people, that the sun's not going to smite you by day. Now, if you lived in the deep south, you know what I mean by the sun smiting you by day. Some of y'all that have grown up on the coast of North Carolina or in the flatlands, it gets mighty hot. And in ancient Israel, they didn't have air conditioning. And so he said, the Lord will provide us for our shade. Even in the south where there's so much humidity, if you get in out of that direct sun, you feel the coolness of the shade, right? You all know that you can cool down. And in the desert environments where these guys are walking, the temperature really lowered down when the sun went and beaten down on them. Animals know this. Our dogs running around in the backyard, when they get overheated, they're coming right under that porch because they want to cool down. If you ever go uh, driving around in a hot afternoon, where are all those cows? There's one tree there in the middle of that big field, and they're all there, right? Because even animals are smart enough to know to get out of the hot sun and get in the shade. Of course, there's an old song from an opera that mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the noonday sun. I mean, it's good we say about that Southerners playing golf too. I've done that in the hot of the noonday sun. We know that, that God provides us this shade, this refreshment, if we would just stop and rest in it. Because the Lord provides for us the shade and the heat of the day. There's a, a wonderful psalm about that. I think you all know it. You're going to hear Jeff preach about it in his very last sermon here with us where he maketh the what? Lie down in green pastures and go beside the cool waters. Why? Because in our lives, we need places of respite to escape the heat of the day, the burdens of our journey. Jesus himself said this, come unto me all ye who labor and are heavy laden and what I will give you rest for your soul. But we fly along in life, don't we? We just race along. We, we drive like there's no tomorrow. And is it any wonder that so many are dealing with so many health issues and stress and problems? Because here's the Lord saying, 
I want to refresh your soul. I want to provide that shady place for you. I want to be the one that is there giving you the abundance that you need, even in the freneticness of your lives. So we're taking advantage of the rest that he brings to us. The sun will not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. What were they thinking? Were they thinking the moon's going to come down and knock them on the head? You know, you know what, what, what's this about? I mean, we, we don't understand this in, in our day and time, do we? I mean, this is a different way of thinking about things. You know, you there that are watching online, what, what, what does that mean? The moon hitting us by night. Any of y'all ever heard of the term moonstruck? Yeah. Or moonsick? The ancients believed that the moon caused craziness. They believed the moon was the cause of epilepsy. The word lunatic, that sound familiar? The root is lunar. See, they believed that at night there was something there that caused people to be crazy. And we live in a crazy time, don't we? <laughs> we? We live in a time where, you know, people are arguing and fussing. Everybody seems uh, to be out of their heads. You know, you look around you. Look at all these crazy folks. I'm the only one that's sane, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we think sometimes, right? Everyone else is crazy, not me. We live in a, a crazy world and a mixed up time. And God says at night when things seem so dark, and so scary. It is at those times when the sound of the evil one can be heard most clearly to tempt, to entice, to sow so doubt and disbelief. Is that when we hear, we can hear more, most clearly his voice sowing within those things that sound so crazy to us. That God is not there. That God does not care. That God will not protect you. To put into our heads this line that we read in the psalm, that he's going to protect you from all evil. Well, that isn't true. That's what we hear sometimes in the deep recesses of the night. We do pray that prayer, right? You know, and we say it when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us, we just said it a little bit ago, deliver us from what? From evil, right? What in the world does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean that nothing bad's ever going to happen to us? Does that mean that we're going to be protected from all uh, disease, injury, sickness, bad things happening, businesses failing for Christians? No Christians ever get a divorce, have anything happen to their kids? Nah, we know better than that, right? I like what Eugene Peterson says about this. He said this, the Christian life is not a escape to a hidden garden or a flight to a heavenly kingdom. No, the Christian walks the path that everyone else journeys. The difference is that with every breath that we breathe, every step that we take, we are guarded by God. And so the Christian is protected from all evil as he walks in God, as he travels toward and with 
God. Even when the bad stuff happens. This past week on, on Facebook, uh, I saw posts by a man that I admire greatly, like another father to me. His name's uh, Dr. Bob Hayes. And I may have mentioned uh, Dr. Bob a time or two. And Bob was posting on there about something that occurred in his life. He was a wonderful physician, uh, great husband, father to Bob and to Stacy and to Jim. When Bob Jr. was a senior in high school, he was killed by a drunk driver. Ten years later, his youngest son, Jim, while, they were, while he was riding a bicycle, uh, working out for football, was hit by a drunk driver in Destin, Florida. Of course, it's devastating not only lose one child, but two. Well, after Jim's service, Stacy was flying back uh, home. And Bob was saying a prayer, said, God protect Stacy. And it was like the evil one whispered in his ear, well, he didn't do too good a job of protecting Jim and Bob now, did he? And that sent Bob Hayes into a crisis of faith, into a dark period, wondering about this God that he said he believed in from his earliest days of growing up in New Brockton, Alabama. Well, a dear pastor friend, John Finkley, brought him a book that maybe some of you are all familiar with, maybe you have read, called The Will of God by Leslie Weatherhead. You all know that book? It's written by this pastor at the height of the Nazi bombings during World War II in London. And it describes a time during, the, during his congregation's life where Families were losing their homes, losing family members as the Nazis bombed night after night after night. And they're questioning, where's God in all this? And Weatherhead said this, that it was not God's ultimate will for bombs to fall on the homes and kill their children or for uh, people to lose their parents. That's not God's ultimate will. But what he did say is that we live in a fallen and broken world because of human sinfulness. And what we then try to seek after is God's will for us in the circumstances that we are facing. For he was echoing what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8. In all things, God works for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Not he causes all things in all things. So in the circumstances in which we find ourselves, what is God's will? And Bob realized this. And he realized that to be delivered from evil was to be delivered from the bitterness and the anger and the frustration and the disbelief that the evil one was whispering into his ear, which often happens so much in our lives, particularly in the deep darkness that we all go through. And last week, or two weeks ago, when I preached my last sermon, uh, I uh, had promised you that I was going to share some, how I got over some of the stuff that that we had been dealing with after the tragic accident that took the life of our son. I can't do all that. I'd be another sermon. As I said, I was so looking forward to preaching that one, but we got a, a lot of time. So let me tell no, we, we're, we're not going to go there. Yeah, go on. You got Sunday school, coffee's back there. We got, we got uh, 
uh, gathering on the, in the chapel happening. But I'll tell you, the third person I called after I found out about the accident as I was sitting there in the conference room at Fairhope United Methodist Church was Bob Hayes. And Bob has journeyed with us to help us bring us through the times of darkness and despair when it's so easy to listen to the voice of the evil one whispering in our ear, give up, give in, shake your fist at the world and gather all your marbles and go home because there is nothing there for you. And Bob was one of those that helped us along that journey. See, to be kept from evil doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. Most of you all know that. What it means is not listening to the whispers of the evil one in the night and th- that is uttering to us, give up, go into that darkness, live in fear, realizing that that isn't our truth. The truth is this, that we, even in our darkest times, even as we're traveling along a journey that is so glum that we feel like we're walking in a moonless night, that there is God walking by us, weeping the tears that we weep. So, my friends... My friends, look into the hills. Look into the hills. Where comes your help? Your help comes from the name of the Lord. Look into that cancer ward. And and look up into that and be not afraid for God walks with you in it. Look into, into the possibility of unemployment or financial ruin. And know that even as you're climbing into that hill, God is walking there beside you. Look into that unknown future of your children and those whom you love. And it <clears throat> hopefully is filled with promise and good things. But it could also be filled with drug addiction, with failure, and even death. Look at those things and know that even in those times, God is there walking by you. For our help comes in the name of the Lord. And as so many are despairing right now in our nation, it doesn't matter your political strife. As we walk into the future as a country, know that we who are faithful walk with God walking by our side. For our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Say that with me. My help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Look around you. All around you when you go outside. God made those mountains. God made those trees. God made those butterflies. God made those birds. If God can do all of that, God can help you. Amen and amen. Let us pray. God, we go through dark times in our lives. Sometimes we walk and we are oppressed by the heat of the day. The burdens of life seem too heavy. And yet we know that you walk with us. And as we take your yoke upon us, we walk and are not overburdened. We know sometimes life is dark and fear-filled. And we have so many doubts and we question. But You walk with us in those dark times, for you neither slumber 
nor do you sleep. So help us, God, to walk from this place filled with a sense of hope no matter what we are going through. For you are our help. And God, we know if we have you, we have all that we need. We ask this now in the name of the one who gives us the ultimate sign of your help and your love, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen and amen.